You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Welcome to another episode of Doing It For The Exposure, the show that's covered in rhinestones doing the bump and grind with puppets. I'm your host, Mannequin Blue, and today's special guest is the multi-award winning performer, producer, and creator extraordinaire, Bella Agogo. Hey, babes. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, babes, how are you? (laughs) Oh, you know, do my best during a pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) Making the most of it. (laughs) <laughs> I get the most, but making art, being creepy, you know. <laughs> the huge. <laughs> the huge, absolutely. <laughs> I think that's the most enthusiastic intro we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lying on my bed talking to you right now. I've got my stage lights on. I'm putting makeup on in the first place. I mean, let's let's just have a boola bus for that. Yeah, gosh, you're so glamorous. <laughs> Bula boss, I'm putting makeup on. I'm like, you're <laughs> how to put makeup on. I'm like, technique has gone out the window. Oh, I know the feeling. Just being oh, in for the last glamorous. six months. It's like, why do we need makeup anymore? <laughs> oh, well, mostly, no. I mean, mostly I, it's been no underwear, no makeup for a long time. But, you know, when you're in some stage stuff, you've got to be a little bit professional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Absolutely. And we, we'll use that no underwear to just segue into the next section. <laughs> so Bella, why don't you tell us, you know, a bit about what you do? Because you do quite a few things. I do quite a few things. Well, this year, 2020, is my 13th year in burlesque and cabaret performance. And a strange 13 it is. I have been also a professional belly dancer for about like 17 years now. So that would have been something that I would have done like restaurant work weddings birthdays before I actually started burlesque so I was used to being on stage and used to being kind of a spectacle so that helped a lot when I actually started performing burlesque and like since then I have really just delved into all sorts of different ways of performance I mean we think of if anybody thinks of burlesque a lot of people will at least be able to mention Dita Van Teese and the very classic striptease bump and grind and of course people would say to me oh but that costs so much money but of course I'm a thrifty queen and I always have been I make a lot of my costumes I would find a lot of my costumes things like charity shops recycling upcycling so you can make something look very very expensive and fabulous looking really without breaking the bank and I also know that like the spend on costume and prop does vary from country to country as well I think we're quite able to find and make things in Ireland. (laughs) Sometimes you'll see some of the American queens, European queens, Australian queens. But it's just, again, it's just a way of making things look beautiful and expensive without spending a hazardous amount of money. People would say that, you know, you don't do burlesque to make money, you do burlesque for the love of it. But I would tend to disagree. There's a lot of people who are making money at it. And I think it's important that we don't go into it with kind of the the starving artist point of view. So... Yeah, I mean, I love the art of it. I love the creativity of it. I tend to use a lot of music that isn't used, particularly in the Irish scene, but I've also found that when I've performed abroad, 
don't tend to use the same music, which again is great too, because you're not using the same music over and over and over again. So you want to keep yourself unique. You don't want to be copying anybody. You want to really find your own way. Of course, there is like kind of classic tropes, the glove peel, the bump and grind, seduction with your eyes. There's different kind of elements there that are quite classic. And if they're used properly and creatively, you know, you can kind of really go, oh yeah, they've done their homework. They've done their research, but it's still fresh. So people are wondering like, what the heck is burlesque? Burlesque is a mixture of striptease, comedy, storytelling, glamour, really can do anything and everything with it. And, And as you have mentioned, puppets, I do perform with puppets, which has always been a dream for me to perform with puppets. And I actually make my own puppets. And again, a lot of it would be from fan materials, recycled if I can, depending on what I'm making. So yeah, I mean, it's a whole lot of crack. I produce a lot in Ireland, produce some very successful shows. At the moment, we're all floating as regards venues, because we don't know how things are going to go for a lot of businesses, kind of when things get back open. I know a few bits and pieces are opening where they can. I know some of the larger venues are trying to get stuff open at the moment, but it would be wonderful to get back to work. I do miss it. I also miss being able to collaborate with other artists. This month, my Facebook memories have been showing me a lot of steampunk memories. So a lot of times my steampunk shows would have been in September. And, and that kind of gives you freedom to not necessarily just pick burlesque performers, but also sideshow performers, sword swallowers, dancers, aerialists, opera singers, all sorts. So really, it is a very, very varied bunch. I think the word variety is a little bit, it should be brought back into vogue of people that said a variety show. That's really what a burlesque show is. Like traditionally, a burlesque show wasn't always just like striptease, striptease, striptease. You would have had magicians and comedic sketches and then special skill acts sometimes you'll see it in all movies where someone's waiting in a waiting room in hollywood and someone like you know stands up at the desk and balances on a bottle of champagne and balances on their walking stick upside down and does some crazy act just as an interlude in the story but those kind of people were actually devoted people so it was nice sometimes you'd see an interlude on old 30s and 40s movies where you'd see those just kind of interjected into the story and I think it's very important for people to remember that you're going to see an experience and you're keeping arts alive and we want to keep arts alive in this country and all over the world. We want to keep arts alive. So it is really important to not just focus necessarily on the striptease aspect of burlesque because it's a bit of everything in there, you know? Yeah. And even like from seeing you perform yourself, you have quite a variety of different styles of performance. Like you said, you have puppets, you have burlesque, and then there's the more fun ones where you, you know, you get dressing costumes. And I think, don't you have a trampoline act as well? Uh, You know what, actually, with the trampoline act, it's an award-winning act, first of all, because it's fabulous. Um, (laughs) Again, it, it was me being very influenced by those vaudevillian acts. But the last time I performed it was at my Dark Pearl burlesque show and three of the legs gave out. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So the, and, and it was kind of like we, because it would tend to move around a little bit, it's a trampinette, it's a three footer, it's the ones you use for exercising. So we kind of had it like, you know, taped to the ground and like kind of shoved up against the back of kind of like the front part of the, the stage and three of the legs gave out. And of course, you know, when you're on stage, it's live theater. So if something goes wrong, you have to keep going. It's like with sketches, it's it's known as yes and. You know, if you're willing to kind of just, oh, something's gone wrong, or if there's an empty spot, just fill it, do something, react to it. So I remember just going, oh my goodness. I remember, I think I wagged my finger at the trampoline 
And then I literally put it on its side, rolled it off to the side of the stage where my good friend, Lydia Adams, AKA Beastie, my stage manager caught it. And I just jumped without a trampoline on the carpet for the rest of the act and finished off the act. And everybody was just like, yeah, oh my God, so amazing. And like, it's, it's like, they, like, it didn't even matter that the trampoline broke. They were just like, you continued, how amazing. But that's what experience and, well, I mean, it's obviously also my show. So it's not like I could run off mortified and hide in the back for the rest of the show anyway. So people, people just actually really respect. The fact that it did go wrong, they respected it more that I continued. But it wasn't until the next day that I realized, oh my God, I could have broken my ankle or my knee. I'm so grateful I didn't. <laughs> so there is an element of danger when you walk on stage, whether you're in your bare feet and you walk on a piece of glass or you're walking in some high heels and you fall flat on your face, which also has happened to me on occasion. But you just learn to keep going. So it really is a metaphor for life. Just keep going. Just keep going. <laughs> the show must go on. <laughs> right, especially when it's your own show and you have no choice. At least you can laugh about it on the mic afterwards. I had a good laugh about it. I went, oh my God, I'm a die amazing. Like that was really traumatic. And everybody's just laughing their asses off, not realizing it actually was really traumatic. Oh, <laughs> but you have those stories now as well. Oh, I have so many stories. I have so many stories. I mean, like to think this year alone, I won a title this year. Like you kind of go, what? So the Mixed Horror Ireland ran their show in February and I got Mixed Ghoul Ireland. So first runner up. So I have a title for the ghouliest of ghouls in this country this year. And I cycle around, walk around. I have this fantastic laser cut boo necklace. That was part of my prize. And I like, cause I can't walk around my crown all the time. So I walk around <laughs> my boo necklace going, I'm Ireland's number one ghoul. Oh yes. <laughs> Who um, says you can't wear your crown all the time? February and like how much has happened since then you know and that was also with a puppet so for anybody who wants to find that you can find if you look me up on YouTube I was Ripley from Alien and I danced with a xenomorph that I made and I was so excited to create it and do it it was the most difficult puppet I've made so far and I've learned a lot and I still have to I think I have to tweak it a little bit but I mean, that's the whole journey, isn't it? It's like taking a chance on stage. And I remember I wanted it to be really scary. And on the quiet parts, people kept laughing. And I was on stage going, oh, God, oh, God, is this a good laughing or a bad laughing? And when I saw the video edited and up online afterwards, I was like, oh, that's a good laughing. <laughs> but again, even if you feel nervous and you're like, I'm not sure if this is working, you have to keep going. It's an amazing thing. I mean, I really enjoyed the process and the night itself was absolutely insane. So, yeah winning a title this year has been great it's just been such a bummer that I haven't been able to do too much with it I know what you mean and before that as well in was it 2018 you were Miss Burlesque I was Miss Burlesque Ireland 2018 yeah looking at my crown right now yeah I did a lot with that that was I mean that's a moment you know when you win a pageant anybody who watches like big pageant shows or is part of big pageant shows any kind of pageant shows knows you know Everybody wants that moment up on stage going, you love me. You really love me. <laughs> yeah, it was fabulous. And of course, my black eye makeup was going everywhere. <laughs> my friend Santina, who was a previous Miss Burlesque Dublin winner, was like wiping the black from under my eyes. And I was like, you know, 
giving the metal fingers, going, yes, on stage. There was nothing demure about my win, let me tell you. But I bust my ass. Like, I mean, people say I kind of, I go in and I see how I go. But like, I had applied 2015 and didn't place. I placed top five. And I had been performing a long time. And I suppose I, I felt, yeah, I was totally like flabbergasted. But I mean, that's the, the whole thing about joining and doing a competition. is like, sometimes you don't win. And I think it's actually really good for our mental health and our ego to, like, how do you accept not winning? So I had to suck it up and learn a few lessons. So when I came in, even mentally, I was a lot more prepared. I mean, I was prepared to win. Let me, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that, but I was also backstage going, just in case you don't, Bella, don't lose your shit. <laughs> you know, you've done a great job. You've put up some, you know, some stellar performance. You've performed, you were re. I mean, I rehearsed so much. I was really prepared and I won and I'm delighted. What can yeah. I say? I traveled everywhere with that crown. That crown came with me all over Europe. Any other festival, I'd be walking around with the crown at the sash going, yes, thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you. And actually, I wore it. There was one time I went over, I didn't even actually book a hotel because I was going over and I was getting an early flight back. So I was just going to stay up drinking till about like maybe three, get to the airport, which takes however long, and then get my like eight o'clock flight. So kind of when I got there, I was like, okay, I really want to go to Buckingham Palace in my crown. So that's what I'm going to do. So I went to Buckingham Palace. I got off, <laughs> I got off the tube, went over to a coffee shop, put my sash and my crown on. And of course, you know, in, in England, people would just think you're a mad royalist. Like you're just nuts. <laughs> so I got myself up, looked really lovely. And, and I, you walk through the park to get to Buckingham Palace. And of course, people start coming, like tourists start coming over to me going, oh, what, what's, what's, I was like, oh, well, I'm a pageant queen. And I just wanted to, you know, pose in front of the palace. And they were like, that's so great. We need a picture. So I, you know, I mean, I brought it everywhere. Sure, why not? You're, you're, the whole point is to celebrate it. And it's also like when I was traveling, you're an ambassador for your country. You know, you're not just an ambassador for yourself. Like if I'm going over to Europe, somewhere in Germany, somewhere in Portugal, I'm an ambassador for Irish burlesque and that's really important. Like you have the crack as well. You know, you don't really have to sit there and be like all ladylike, but yeah, you just enjoy yourself. Enjoy the fact that you won a title. And, you know, I used to wear it to shows in Dublin and people would walk past and go, oh, my lady, and do a big, like, you know, hand and bow to me. It was the best. <laughs> it was just brilliant. And of course, I was meant to be on this year and I was meant to judge. I was so excited about judging. So I'll have to wait till next year to do that. Gotta get, gotta give some judgment back. <laughs> gotta get some judgment back. It's no, playback time. The lineup for this year was stellar. And a lot of people have come into the burlesque scene over the last five years who would have come definitely from a dance background. So it could have been a mixture of hip hop, ballet, street dance, urban dance, and tap dance, anything like that. And it, I mean, it really does help. If someone wants to get into burlesque, you'll always get people come up to you and say, oh my God, you're so cool, that's so glamorous. Oh my God, oh, I really want to get into it. And I'd always say to them, well, do you have any dance background at all? Because at least then you'll be more poised. People forget about their hands a lot and your hands are your frame for dancing. So any extension of the leg or the arm, anything like that. So if someone's got that background, it's a huge help. However, I've also seen burlesquers who are not dancers and who really are not dancers on stage. And it doesn't matter. Really, it's all depending on what kind of character you're portraying. I mean, I do a really geeky, 
people say housewife, but she's not a wife because she's not married. So she's a Coke bottle glasses wearing lollipop lady, cleaning lady rather than a housewife. And she gets mugged and she gets electrocuted and she loses something or she accidentally puts too much spice in the pot, you know. And of course, madness ensues. Dolly Potts and Bella Agogo are both 13 years old <laughs> this year, a couple of months apart. But I was required at the time to come up with a comedy act. I'd only been performing a very short time. Can you imagine you're performing like four months and then your producer, which was the only show I was working at, at the time, goes, well, you need to come up with a comedy act for the next show. So and the panic sets in. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I want to do it so much, but can you imagine, like, I can imagine if, if I said that to someone, to be like, Bella is an absolute wagon. <laughs> like, I'm only getting to do this, and I have to, like, pull a new act out of my ass, essentially. I'm like, yeah. But at the time, the only producer for the, like, really the only biggest burlesque show at the time, that's what she asked me to do. And I rose to the challenge. And because of it, like, I opened Rocky Horror with Miss Doddybots. Like, because, you know, Rocky Horror, like, it is very sexy, but it's also just very, you know, geeky and queer and off the wall. Wanted Sarah Cleary, who runs Rocky Horror Ireland, wanted something bananas to open the show, and Doddy Potts was it. Like, Bella Agogo would have been too sexy and too... I suppose traditional in the land of weird. You know what I mean? It's kind of like it's not traditional bump and grind with a real classic act. It's like something goofball. And I've been performing with Rocky Horror for over 12 years. Yeah, about 12 years. Just shy of 13 as well. So when you take a chance, you'll find yourself in unexpected places. <laughs> Absolutely. And actually, I was going over doing some burlesque in Scotland and I was in Glasgow. And the reason I clinched the gig in the first place was because I said, do you want to see my Falcor act for the Neverending Story? He's like, you're booked. <laughs> Not said, you're booked. I was like, yes, Falcor. So he's an international dragon. My beautiful slot has yet to go international, but he will. And so I'm just living precariously through my dragons and my, my slot animals at the moment and all my other creatures that I'm surrounded by right now. So the fascinating thing I find as well is that you make all the puppets yourself. Like, how did that come about? How did you decide I'm going to make puppets and then bring them into my performance? I suppose sometimes I'm always telling people, particularly those who are starting a performance, you know, go onto YouTube and or go onto Vimeo, but, you know, go onto people's videos and actually see people's acts. So before you start coming up with something, because, you know, you can get the cliche of, you know, I'm doing a cat act or, I mean, that's like, you know, if it can be done brilliantly, absolutely, but it's so cliche. You know, you've got Eartha Kid Catwoman, you've got that 60s kind of, you know, feline Catwoman, you've got that kind of thing. So I'd always say to them, you know, don't, just don't try and do an, an idea yet. Just look at what people are doing already. Look at, as, 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 you know, go back as much as you can and see what they're doing already. And I did see people in other countries, but to be honest with you, I was a bit scared. I was a bit nervous of doing puppetry on stage because I didn't have puppetry like I didn't have specific official training um, and I'd been a huge fan of Jim Henson forever I mean going back to the Muppets going back to Sesame Street you know going back to the Dark Crystal yes. going back to Labyrinth going back to all of that just the fantasy the mechanics of it some of it could be so delicate, like the little gestures a little puppet would make and how you can emote from all of those. So I was always fascinated by that. 
but also like you know the palette puppets you see the muppets you know with the big googly eyes and, and how amazing you can make a character from some people who just say it's something inanimate you know so for me i actually wanted to do it for ages before i actually did do it and the first time i saw someone doing a puppet act here was actually bunny the drag queen who was singing with animal she had a little animal puppet and she was singing duets on the George stage. And I was like, oh, amazing. So it's actually Bunny's fault. I haven't told her. I'm like, Bunny! I mean, you know, this absolutely amazing, tightly corseted, huge pageant hair, but then singing like time to say goodbye with animal on stage. So that crazy juxtaposition, I was like, that is absolutely fantastic. And it really was from then, and I was like, okay, I, I can definitely do something with puppets and make a go of it and get a response that you want to get from it. It's trial and error, really. You know, it's trial and error. I really, really, really wanted to make a Falcor puppet. So I found a pattern to make his body. So I really only had to figure out how to make his head within the pattern I'd already got. Do you know what I mean? So I wasn't starting from absolute scratch. With the slot puppet, I based his head and face from it. I was watching a lot of tutorials on YouTube. There's a lot of tutorials on how to make puppets. But then again, I didn't have a pattern. So again, you'd kind of cut something out and then fix it together. And then mm, that doesn't work and cut a bit off and fix it together. And then what happens is if you kind of find a pattern that works and you make your own pattern and then you have that future. So my slot puppet is much more kind of based off the soft body structured head puppets that you'd see on the Muppets, kind of like some of the, the lesser known ones. So a lot of times you'll see puppets where you can see the hands are actually a person's hands so they can articulate quite well, mm -hmm. where Kermit, like, you know, it's a hand on a stick. So you can move the arms and the elbows, like you can work the joints, but you can't actually move the fingers. Where a lot of those puppets you'd see, it's actually the puppeteer's hands inside the puppets and then someone else is doing the head so there's actually two people working one puppet and that's a lot how the the muppets and the sesame street puppets are actually worked they're one puppet usually with two people it's different when you see something like avenue q where the structure of the puppet is similar but because the puppeteer is on stage with them they tend to have like two arms with the two sticks so the puppeteer is making them move with one hand and then making them move their hands with the second hand Sometimes you'll also see two puppeteers with one puppet as well. But I got it to work with also some like snap fasteners. So my slot, obviously, for most people have seen a slot. Slots like to cuddle. So they'll wrap their bottom legs around and then their top around. So I have one on the top and then one I move myself just with my hand. I decided to omit the stick because I just found it actually, I couldn't get close enough to my own body and it was less awkward. So I just hold his hand and make him do absolutely filthy things. <laughs> Do you ever see those memes online where you see a sloth and it's a real cute sloth, but then sometimes they overlay it with something really creepy going, I've been looking at you all day long. And you're like, oh no, no, sloths are lovely. You're corrupting them. So the idea for the act actually came from the creepy sloth memes. <laughs> it's the truth. It's crazy where you get your ideas from. It's a very funny act. I even have a sparkly backdrop. I've worked out a sparkly backdrop. I was trying to find a space in my house. Not everybody has like a big area to do, you know, fan dance and the whole shenanigans. I was kind of struggling with people asking me going, I don't have like a blank wall in my apartment where I can kind of have a backdrop that I'd be happy with. 
because you know you're representing yourself to the public and then you're gonna have like some random house stuff behind you I'm like I can't do that I want it to look you know like at least I'm at a show or something so I've worked out I'll be performing in my bedroom tonight I know that's a bit creepy creepy. that was sexy not creepy (laughs) oh that's brilliant Um, I know it's so much fun I mean obviously like I don't do puppetry all the time I do a lot of sexy burlesque performances as well and I'm really very much hoping to get back to them as soon as possible that includes wearing heels I haven't been wearing any heels for six months either I think I wore heels once in the house because I felt like dressing up for something so it's it'd be like learning to walk in heels all over again yay (laughs) (laughs) I know the joys but we'll, we'll bring it into anyway because like you said you perform a lot in Ireland and outside of Ireland you know you travel around but you also I'd say you're one of the more kind of involved people running your own shows just because you do so many well to be honest with you I found that just I think it goes in cycles but if there isn't any producers there aren't any shows it's all well and good like doing a show now some people do shows for charity that's fine brilliant some people do shows for the love of it and any money they make kind of goes into the group rather than individuals and some people who work full-time also perform which is also brilliant but I think everybody has to remember that for full-time performers this is their full-time job so I do I really do wish there was like a standardized kind of like you know this is what you expect to get paid there can be obviously a friendly do it for a favor that's kind of more private but you know there has to I think it's really important because we don't have an equity over here Mm-hmm. where in other parts of like in mainland Europe and I know in the UK they have an equity so essentially like a performance union and it just makes everything then kind of more like standardized and official which I think is a really really important and good idea particularly for protection for performers you know and also I don't think it should be kind of all and we've even talked about this in Hollywood where like no one discusses how much they're getting paid no one discusses their contracts where it really all should be spoken out because we do find a lot of times where it doesn't happen in burlesque so much because it's very much more matriarchal but where people are not you know what I mean if you're very well known burlesque you obviously command a certain wage and that's completely fine and if you're a newbie you may not know you can command a wage but I just think that for shows I think a producer should be quite open about what they can pay people you know and that people do get paid so there are a couple of producers who did stuff for one don't there are a couple of producers in Ireland who are still doing things and then there are people who would do some great shows and then they might do something for ages and that's totally fine you know they've got their life that's fine it's not feasible for them but just without kind of regular shows like that it does make life a lot more challenging I mean, not only am I a burlesque performer, but I'm also a performance artist. So I do corporate. So that could be the Christmas party for Facebook, or it could be a launch of some new drink, booze or otherwise. Or it could be, you know, a family-friendly kids corporate do. Like I, uh, just December gone last year, I played Elsa from Frozen a load of times. Learned all the songs, really good with kids, posed for kids, interacted, sang the songs. And all the parents were looking at me going, are you not sick of the songs? I'm like, nope, love it. Book me again. Book me more, you know. So I would do that kind of stuff as well, not just burlesque shows. Really, because as a performance artist, you have to. Yeah. 
you're doing all sorts of gigs. It can be just random gigs that you're doing. But also because I work well with kids, that's an advantage. Not everybody wants to do kiddie gigs. I have no problem with kiddie gigs. I actually find the kids are much more sound than the adults anyway. But yeah, like I, I would love to see more quality producers in Ireland. I mean, you see, it's a lot of work. Not everybody wants to do the work. You know, you don't just put a show on. It's like, if you build it, they will come. It doesn't always happen that way. So there's a lot of promotion and hard work behind the scenes before you get on stage and, and shake your tits at people. <laughs> <laughs> but it is true, you know. I mean, at as, as the end of the day, burlesque is theatre. You have a show, you have sound, you have stage managers, you have a host, you, you know, you have a whole show. So it would be wonderful to see more quality producers and stuff like that and of course everybody's gotten knocked a lot particularly at the moment so we're just gonna have to see what's gonna kind of come out of it i know some people i know some of the drag shows are back now which is great but they're not using the george there's a few different venues that are being used so you're going to see some queer cabarets you're going to see drag shows so hopefully we'll get some stuff going really we need to get actual venues on our side as well if you're working with a venue that wants you there that's half the battle it really is half the battle so I always say to people, don't fall out with people. Have a nice relationship with people. Keep that nice relationship. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't burn any bridges. No, be sound. You know, I mean, this, there's a disagreement on something or other when you're working. But I mean, in general, it's very important that you do work nicely with others as well. So, I mean, I've been producing my steampunk show. I have to kind of like omit this year and just say, you know, this year is included, even though I technically I haven't produced anything this year. But I mean, you would have. Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, like, of course, so my Dark Pearl is usually every two months. My steampunk show is usually once a year, and that really could be anywhere between May and September. I did also have a Mexican Day of the Dead tribute show, which I know can cause some controversy with some people because I'm not personally Mexican, but it's definitely not a culturally appropriative show. It's actually very respectful, and I book as many Latinx performers as possible, as well as donating money to charities. So, it's it's actually a very kind of culturally conscious show and that show of course was to give people a space to grieve that's where i started the show my sister lost a child he was very premature and he lived for a month and it was a way of me processing my grief as well i wanted a space where people were allowed to talk about death and allowed to talk about grief and loss but also in a positive place to remember them and honor them so we have an altar rather than just kind of you know going to the way going to the funeral do the month's mind do the year anniversary and then kind of otherwise not talking about it because mental health is such a point of conversation and how there's really such a lack of, of mental health support in this country as well and how people don't talk about their mental health so it's very important to talk about it and i've had a lot of people tell me that it really helps them that they had a, a space just to be and they could sit there and cry for the whole night if they wanted to and that was okay to do those things. And everybody on stage was performing an act for someone that they loved that had died. So it's very different than like a Mexican theme. So we're not going to go there. Yeah. And I'm very aware of that. And also speaking to my Latinx friends and actually getting feedback from Mexican people on how best to kind of proceed. And it's worked out very well. But it is sad because it's 10 years this year. And I can't do a show. Yeah, I mean, this year's kind of, I don't know, I think it was kind of a write-off for everybody. Oh, um, yeah, It doesn't necessarily absolutely. mean that you can't celebrate your 10-year anniversary, just, you know, maybe in a different oh, way. Oh, of course, of course. I've had a couple of people message me saying, oh my God, Bella, you're not doing your show this year. So 
I was thinking of doing something online. I just have to make sure I know what technology I'm using so I can do it properly and professionally. But I was thinking of doing something online. It's just difficult because when you're backstage, you have other people to support you emotionally if you are emotional. Where you could be in the house on your own performing it and then you're kind of on your own the whole time. And then, you know, everybody says goodbye, have a great night. And then you, you switch your computer off and you're like, oh, I'm on my own. You know, so I'm, I'm kind of being conscious of it. I'd like to do something. I'd like to do something for a bunch of different things. It would have been my five-year anniversary for Dark Pearl this year as well. And that's my baby. That's like an interactive, crazy, sexy. That I mean, that was one of like the sexiest hottest shows because I wanted it to be very, very sexy and allow performers to grind the floor <laughs> with their wops and have the space to do that. So there would be a space in front of the stage as well so people could get very, very close. The last time I actually performed the show was in December and I got to lick Victoria Sponge and cream off some guy's bald head, which he consented to, but he still hasn't gotten over it. I got some feedback off his friend this weekend. She was like, he still talks about that. I'm like, I know. <laughs> And that's my Marie Antoinette, the Let Me Cake act, which is also on YouTube if you want to see Bella Agogo Let Me Cake. The amazing Mark Galvin and crew did some amazing videos for me in December for that show, which I'm very grateful for. So and my Falcor act actually is also up there as well. He did a wonderful edit on that. So you can check those videos out. And that's the great thing. That's really important about a performance artist. If you want to you know, do festivals and you want to get booked, the best way to do it is get a video as best you can. I mean, it can be in your house with like a static camera, absolutely, but like get videos of your acts. It's just good um, for your portfolio as well. But it's very hard to get booked nowadays. Years ago, like particularly in this country, you know, if someone was friends with someone and someone had said, oh, I'd seen you do that act or oh, you got booked by this person to do that act, I trust that it's good enough to be professional and everything. But nowadays I would find that people just kind of won't book you unless you have a video. Yeah, it's kind of, it's hard to take a chance on someone. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm more like that myself, actually. Sometimes I, because I go to other people's shows and I'd be out in the scene, a lot of times I would have seen an act I was going to book. So I wouldn't have to see a video. And then they might go, I want to do a second act. I want to do an ad lib. I want to do something experimental. And because I know they're brilliant, I'd be like, yeah, that's cool. But that's only really because I'm on the scene and I'm actively going to shows. And even if I'm in a show, like I'm not backstage, I'm out as much as I can watching other people's acts because I want to see everybody else do their thing as well should be very much a community like that and it's not just about you know you doing your act and then you're going home the whole point is that we're supporting each other and lavishing in the genius of other people's performances and because you might go i would have never thought of that what <laughs> how are they doing that what are they doing oh, or even the music edit might be really unexpected so yeah it's great i love and particularly when i go traveling my god like the artistry in europe is so great and it's so varied I was talking to somebody recently about the performances in Berlin. I went to the Berlin Burlesque Festival a couple of years back. I was performing in it. And of course, then we were able to go to all the other shows. And it was just fantastic. I mean, there's always people who are going to do like very classic, very bump and grind. Or not even bump and grind, very classic, very elegant, loads of feathers, loads of glitz. And then someone else comes out dressed up as a robot and does some crazy act like it's fantastic. And then sometimes you might see something and you have no idea what's going on. And they do the whole act. And by the end of the act, you still have no idea what's going on. I've seen a few of those two going, what did I just see? I don't know what's going on. I think that's, that's what's so fantastic about going to festivals and performing abroad. Because it also broadens your horizons. You kind of can get out of your head and go, what works? What doesn't work? 
I don't think anybody should feel bad to critique an act. As I say, tell the person, but in your mind, you can also go, that wasn't my bag, but here are the reasons why it wasn't my bag, or that wasn't executed well, or that was executed amazingly. You know, I think it's important because you need to be able to critique yourself when you see videos of yourself too, going, oh, what was I doing there? I could have done that better, or oh, that head flick was brilliant. Oh, I'm going to definitely do that and that, that next time, you know? So you're learning the whole time. You never stop learning your craft. And I don't think anybody should be arrogant as to say, oh yeah, I've nothing else to learn or never to ask a question. So even going to panels, you know yourself at the cons, seeing actors talking about some crazy thing that happened backstage or something they had to put up with or being really cold or being really uncomfortable in whatever costume they're wearing. It's like, look, you know, unless you're Doug Jones, you don't get to give out about being uncomfortable. (laughs) And he never does either. (laughs) Never does. He never does. Again, be professional. If you don't feel well, that's different, but be professional. So a lot of the kind of like, you'd see people in panels talking about working in Hollywood, working in acting, working here, working there. A lot of that still rings true very much so in theatre and rings true much in burlesque. You know, it's like having a little drink or two backstage, but don't get plastered. Yeah. Or don't spill drink on someone else's costume. Or don't explode all your stuff over everybody else. Or don't be really brash and loud in everybody's face. People are like sometimes going, you're too loud, you're too loud. Oh my God, stop talking. Oh my God, I need space. Ah, Because not everybody's loud backstage. Not everybody's a loud personality. So it's also about being mindful of your surroundings, being mindful of yourself as well. So there's so much really involved with it. There's lots of having the crack backstage and getting up to all, all antics. I mean, I've got some fantastic pictures of me taking quick snapshots backstage during the break at Dark Pearl. And we're all like, into the into the camera, you know. So it's just about getting a balance and having a good time and being able to express your craft and your art on stage. Sharing your art. Yeah. And speaking of sharing your art, for anyone who wants to follow you and keep up to date, where's the best place to do that? Well, Facebook and Instagram, I'm both Bella at GoGo, so you can definitely find me there. I do have a Twitter, but I'm hardly ever on it, so don't, don't, don't bother going on Twitter for the minute. So yeah, definitely Facebook and Instagram for saucy pictures and... And puppets. Uh, and puppets and, you know, geeky things and sci-fi things. All the best things. <laughs> well, and, you know, in our opinion, but I mean, you know... If you're living the muggle life, you might think, what are we talking about right now? <laughs> you know? So I don't know. I, I can't imagine too many adamant muggles really listening to the show in the first place because we talk about some crazy stuff. I'd say it's do. So just before we go then, is there anything else that we haven't touched on that you'd like to talk about? I think I'm okay for the moment. You see, I suppose because I don't have particular shows coming up, so at the moment, no, unfortunately, I would love to, but uh, I don't have anything at the minute. Okay, that's no problem at all. So, Bella, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us. Thank you for listening to my madness. Of course. And <laughs> everyone at home, make sure to follow Bella, and hopefully when the shows start coming back, go to see her shows and tip the performers because that's very important as well if tip the performers absolutely and like any live shows that are coming up online there will always be a link to send money tips now i know a lot of people use paypal which is fantastic because a lot of people have paypal but not everybody uses paypal so just always look for the link usually the person will say it as well where to go and where it is and just help us keep art alive because it's our bread and butter 
and we want to keep eating bread and butter. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it, um, it keeps the world ticking over as well, you know? Well, art is essential. And that's one of the things I've been putting up on my Facebook. A pandemic or not, art is essential. Because as you know, we had heard in the media that art wasn't essential. And a lot of artists got really annoyed. It was like, what do you think you've been reading and Netflix binging and enjoying visually online, guys, is art. Yeah. <laughs> so respect that it took effort to make that art. It's not for free. Like, respect the artists. Yeah, 100 percent, 100 million percent. Always, always, always. And that's why we do what we do is to just keep putting the artists out there. And hopefully, you know, even if one or two people learn about an artist that they might not have known before, that's, you know, yeah. if they tell two friends and they tell two friends, <laughs> eventually it comes back around. Absolutely. And I really appreciate you giving me your time today to do this podcast. It's very, very important to remember, and particularly those who are still working full time, you know, if you're going to consume, please try to consume Irish business, small business, self-employed. And remember when things can go back, you know, book someone like me for like a private party, house party, belly dance for a wedding, you know, all these artists that have so much going for them and can give you so much and make your event so fabulous, you know, just, just remember us. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we'll keep pushing artists for as long as we can. Honestly, Bella, just thank you so much for like doing what you do. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, you know what? I, I really appreciate that. And I know you're not just saying it because we're on a podcast together. <laughs> but no, really, honestly, anybody who like sends a little message or anything like that, uh, all messages of encouragement right now mean so much more they always mean so much but they mean so much more because it really can change someone's day and make them feel better and right now we need all that support so for yourself as well be fabulous stay safe and i'll talk to you soon yeah take care so if you enjoyed this episode of doing it for the exposure and would like to hear more in the future make sure to follow us on facebook instagram and twitter at d-i-f-t-e podcast you can also check out our stream on nerdsnomedia.com we stream weekly on spotify soundcloud and youtube thank you so much for listening thank you for listening to a nerd to know media production 